This After Dark podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Wendy Presser at Magical Journeys Travel is proud to be a sponsor of the After Dark Podcast Network. Whether you've been to Disney one or a hundred times, there's still lots of planning involved. Let Wendy be the one up at midnight when your window opens to get that Be Our Guest reservation, or that covers with Anna and Elsa Fastpass for your own princess. Mention that you heard this ad on one of our podcasts and get $25 off your deposit with any trip package. Be sure to ask about her generous onboard credits for Disney Cruise Lines as well. Find her on Twitter at WPMagicJourneys or WPMagicJourneys.com. Warning. This show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are hours and hours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Diz After Dark. I am Nick, and this week I am joined by the lovely uh, Boston White. Hi. Ms. Amanda. Uh, Mr. D. Mr. Dolan. Hello there. And uh, some stranger <laughs> who we've not had on for an awful long while. Uh, that laugh belongs to, well... <laughs> Hopefully coming soon, according to uh, Craig's drunken messages. But even better than Jim Hill, in my opinion, if you can't guess what laugh already, we have got the return of the talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, jet lagged. <laughs> There's an introduction. Now, let's just be completely transparent. Unlike other some other podcasts and, and other things of this nature, there's been no fallout. There's been no affairs. There's been no divorces. <laughs> the only reason you've not been on the show is because you've been away. I've been on vacation. I think what I should do is I should type a message into the notes on my iPhone, screen capture it, and then release it as a photo on Twitter. <laughs> and then brood about it for a bit. A bit, like, a, bit, a bit like a press release. I like it. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Okay. Um, now, we are going to start the show as we do each and every week uh, by a quick go around the table at the mouse's head and ask what everybody is drinking. So, as you've not been here for so long, Chris, what are you drinking? A good cup of English tea. Ah, very good. I mean, I don't want to sound like Maggie Smith from the, from the uh, Fingerbob Hotel film, but a cup of insipid warmish water and a tea bag sitting next to it is not a cup of tea yes you tell him 
<laughs> I, I think I think that's that's pretty uh, pretty good to say actually. Yeah, can't mm. can't really argue with that. Uh, Mr. D, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm drinking uh, caffeine-free diet coke. Caffeine-free diet coke. Now, is it caffeine-free <laughs> diet coke or is it ginger Pepsi Max? Because they look identical. Uh, I don't think it's ginger Pepsi Max. I think you'd know no. it was. Yes. Of course, yeah. What? Is that a real thing? Free. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It launched a few months ago. Um, I've it's had just, no interest It's just in it. not like normal Pepsi Max, but for people who have got ginger hair, yeah? Yes, it's the Ed Sheeran <laughs> edition. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yes. <laughs> you don't need me. No, he just needs you. Um, Amanda, you're obviously not drinking Pepsi Max ginger, as we can tell. Other colours are available. Uh, so what that's are you drinking? Perfect. I'm drinking a fancy drink called Water. Wow, Walter. H2. Yes. Yeah. Named Something. after the um the Muppets from yeah. the 2011 Muppets movie called mm-hmm. The Muppets. That's quite a lot of Muppets for one sentence. Um in tribute to Amber um from last week, uh from last week's show, um uh, and having not learned anything from last week's show clearly, um I have got another gin and tonic. Mm. Now, uh, two reasons. Firstly, um, most importantly, is apparently it's good for hay fever. Now, where I am in the country today, that's not really uh, mattered too much. It's been pretty much pissing it down all day. Um, But even (laughs) so, a gin and tonic a day keeps the pollen away, apparently. Um, Or something like that. That might be their advertising slogan. Um, But last night, I... um, I also had a gin and tonic last night whilst watching The Great Gatsby. Oh, that that is decadence right there, isn't it? Well, that's actually... Great the, Gatsby and a gin and tonic. The thing is, I was, watching, I was watching it, and it's very rare that I do this. I was watching the film, and I thought... And I, I was watching them, like, like all, all drinking and smoking cigars and stuff, and I thought, I might have a gin and tonic now. But the problem was, I kind of went in the kitchen when it was dark, and it was only when I got back into the front room and started drinking said drink... I realised I'd probably poured a bit too much gin in it. But I then would have to have gone back in the kitchen and topped it up and I didn't want to walk again. So I just sat there drinking it. By the end of the film, I was feeling a little bit lightheaded. And I, I mean, I was watching it in 3D, so it could have been related, but I, I don't think it was. Um, but, I mean, it's a very, as you said, it's a very decadent film. So by the time that you finished watching the film, you were so pissed that you thought the film was actually really good. You know what? I know. Um, I thought. <laughs> I thought. Well, I, I put, wasn't that much. I put, no, <laughs> wasn't that much gin. There was, you know, that would have been the bottle. Um, it was as I put on Facebook last night. Um, in fact, what did I put on Facebook last night? I was a bit drunk. I, did, I know I put stasis about the great gets me last night, and I thought it was quite witty. But I can't remember what it was. What, is it, what was it? Hang on. So it wasn't you sexting Jim Hill then? It what definitely wasn't me sexting him. I mean, I liked it done, but <laughs> no, I, you know. Oh, the, I, the great gets me in 3D. The, de, the dictionary definition of style over substance. That's <laughs> yes. what I put. Because it is. It's a fantastic yes. looking film. And I've got to say, in 3D, it really did pop. But... I didn't really rate the story that much. And I don't know the book that well, so um, I'm not sure, you know, how good of a, uh, a an adaption it was, or adaptation. Mm. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, I'm glad I can say I've seen it. The wife, my wife, wanted to watch it. I bought it for her. Um, so we can say we've watched it, but um, I think next time I might just put my own music on and just watch the visuals. That's probably a better way to enjoy it, to be honest. I mean, there's, you know, Toby Maguire's in it. How good is it? He's hardly he's a good actor, is he? Let's 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 be frank. Uh, he's been in a lot of films, but that doesn't mean anything, does he? He's like name a film he's been good in. Toby Maguire. Yeah. Spider Man. Spider Man Two. No, I said good. And uh... Spider with the eyeliner. <laughs> what, what about the Vegas film he was in? Oh, what one was that? Uh, he had like a CGI ball patch, didn't he? <laughs> That's true. That's true. He wouldn't shave his head, so they CGI'd a bald patch onto Jesus. his head. Jesus. Um, oh, is it Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Is that it one? might have been, but I, I, I don't oh, think I've seen, seen that actually. I, the, um, I mean, look, he, he was. He, I don't like him as Peter Parker. I don't think he was a very good Peter Parker. And the less said about emo Peter Parker, the better, in my <laughs> opinion. Sorry, sorry, emo Amanda. Peter Parker's the best Peter Parker. I mean, it's the funniest Peter Parker but for all the wrong reasons. Um, I mean, he was he was a right in Pleasantville, but wasn't that one like one of his first? Films? Uh, yeah. He's very one. Yeah, I like Pleasantville. For all the people that say Keanu Reeves is a very one note actor, and he is. Tobey Maguire, in fact, <clears throat> Tobey Maguire is like Keanu Reeves without the charisma. I mean, he's literally nothing else there. He's not particularly I handsome. Think, I always think he looks like a sinister Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see I can see why you said that. That's that's something. Anyway, this isn't Great Gatsby After Dark. This is no, I have nothing dark. against Toby Maguire until this bloody podcast starts. <laughs> no, I don't like him. To- Toby, if you uh, if you're listening, and you want to come on. Uh, I just won't be on. If you think you're hard enough, <laughs> I wasn't going to pick a fight with him, but now you mentioned it. Anyway, um... I went to see the best film I've seen all year last night. Ooh, ooh, nothing well, to do with Disney. I was going to say. So let's let's get this. Let's get the non Disney stuff out of the way. Go on, Mr. D. Mm-hmm. Dunkirk. Oh, so, so really? my nearly namesake, Christopher Nolan. Oh, fantastic. Hang on, hang on really good. Hang on. Right, let's let's go back a second. Yep. Your nearly namesake, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Because Nolan yeah. is a yeah, few he's... letters missing and different away from Nolan. <laughs> no, no, there's only one letter different. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just okay. one. Okay, well, I'm, I'm drinking gin. I'm seeing double. Um, <laughs> I'm, that's still even for us. That's quite tenuous. Yeah, it's pretty it's tenuous. tenuous. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been very open on other podcasts about I don't like Christopher Nolan. Mm. Um, I liked Memento, and I liked Insomnia, and I liked The Prestige, and I liked Batman Begins. And after that, it all kind of went a bit downhill for me. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really like. I didn't like. Dark Knight very much. Thought it was alright. I thought Inception was very good on the first watch, but when you watch it again, you realise it's just a load of guff with some really pretty visuals. And don't even get me started on the Dark Knight Rises. And it was oh, so um, Batman Three is horrendous. Oh yeah, it's it's the pits. It's the absolute pits. Uh, and not just because he goes in something called the pit. I mean, it's just it's just terrible. Well, but Dark Knight Rises did give us one thing, of course, and that's Tom Hardy's Bane voice. What do you mean, Nick? I'm going to take over the shipper. <laughs> and the best thing that I saw leading up to Dunkirk, me and him are related, um, you know, because, you know, Hardy sounds a lot like Branch. Um, <laughs> and, 
But what no, that's a, a stretch. <laughs> that, that, that is, yeah. That's, that's a peer and a half. Um, what I liked about seeing the trailers for Dunkirk was not the, just the fact that Tom Hardy was in it, because I do like Tom Hardy as an actor. Um, mm-hmm. But what I liked was that because Chris Nolan was such a fan of Bane voice Tom Hardy as we all were, is he found a way to basically give Tom Hardy the World War Two version of Bane's mask. Yeah, that's right. By in that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I thought, genius. Absolutely genius. Yeah, um, so to go on, how, you know, Dunkirk. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was really good. It was a completely different take on Dunkirk. You know, if you've seen, like, the old movie, um, this is completely different. And, and it wasn't until this morning that I, those things that you think about the next day when you see a good movie. Yeah keep thinking about it and this morning I just suddenly realised I thought you want, and I don't think this is a spoiler you go through the whole movie and you don't see a single German soldier wow right and and yet they're surrounded by the German army there is one scene right at the end where there's a kind of blurred image in the background but apart from that so that was obviously a deliberate tactic and there's lots of little there's lots of like really tense moments in it because they tell the story from different angles. You see the same scene played out from different angles. Yeah, and I just thought it was a really good film. Loved it. Well, it's good. Definitely I, buying that on Blu-ray. My, um, my friend went to see it yesterday. Yes, <laughs> believe it or not, listener, I do actually have some friends. And, um, yeah, he was he was waxing lyrical about it like you, and he actually um, messaged me. Because I, when I saw him the night before, we were talking about um, it coming out and, and when we was going to try and see it and uh, he messaged me and said go and see it in IMAX because uh, I've got an IMAX screen nearby so um, yeah. and I'm, but I'm debating because we've got the IMAX screen but we've also got um, what they call a super screen which um, has Dolby Atmos sound mm-hmm. which is phenomenal I work, yeah. I've, I've worked with Dolby and I've been in one of the older times that's got Atmos and it is incredible um, and he said like the sound is you know, one of the one of the best things in the film. How Yeah, there was some yeah, there was some really powerful sound effects. Yeah. So you said like maybe do that instead then. So I'm gonna see mm. it on a massive screen, uh, with the best sound that I can in the local area. I'll, I'll be going to see it this week. Um and I and I can't wait. And I did yeah. say um I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but um I saw War of the Planet of the Apes and I said that had been my favourite film of the year. You know, a film that I'd seen a lot more films in uh, than I, I have done previously, but um, I, I expect that to change once I see Dunkirk. Um, mm. Despite my my kind of out of love for Christopher Nolan, I think that does look powerful. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that. And um, I think we're going to go and see Planet of the Apes this weekend. So very good. We but can cross compare. Back back to Disney. Segwaying it back to Disney, I also saw a, a film at the cinema yesterday. Other than The Great Gatsby at Home, I saw Cars Three. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and it is wow because anyone who knows me knows I hate that franchise. The problem <laughs> is, is that I now have two young kids and I have a niece. And my niece um, was last year obsessed with Finding Dory. Recently went into the Disney store trying to get some Finding Dory stuff and found that it had been replaced with Carl's stuff. And so that was her new interest. So... Uh, my brother and sister-in-law said look why don't we get the kids together and we'll go to the cinema so that's what we did and I really wasn't looking forward to it the funniest thing 
is uh, my niece lasted about 30 minutes into the film before she decided it was too dark and she wanted to go and sleep in a buggy. Um, so the person that really wanted to see it didn't see it. Um, <laughs> and my daughter did not really care for it much at all. Uh, but I did and my son did, which was, which was good. Um, and I mean, what, what's people's opinions on the podcast of the Cars films? Well, I mean, I I loved the first one. I thought the second one was absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I've been to Cars Land in Disneyland, and it's it's phenomenal. And yeah. the, the attraction, the e-ticket there is is you know brilliant. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. It's not like my favourite Disney franchise. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Mister D? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I didn't see it when it first came out, and really, I I never I didn't really fancy it because I don't like NASCAR. Mm-hmm. I think it's you know it's driving round a roundabout, an elongated roundabout. Uh, where I live, I'm I'm used to roundabouts, so yeah, I don't see the appeal. Yeah, <laughs> so I just thought didn't fancy it, but you know, being a being a Pixar fan and a Disney fan, I thought well, got to give it a go. So eventually, I did watch it, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good, but then the reviews of Cars Two were so bad that I never watched Cars Two. So I still haven't seen that. Manda. Mm, I'm excited to see Cars 3. I hated Cars 2. It's funny, when I first watched it, and, and possibly because I went to a screening with it where John Lasseter was doing a Q&A, it was like a, a preview screening of it, um, I actually quite enjoyed it, but watching it back, it annoys me. And I think the reason why it annoys me, and this will be interesting to see how people react to it, um, is because of Mater. I can't stand Mater. I think that's my problem, is I don't like the character of Mater. He's like an unfunny Ernest, isn't he? He's an... That's exactly it! He's unfunny <laughs> Ernest. <laughs> yeah. I wish, I wish uh, you know, Mater went to hell rather than <laughs> Ernest. And Mater saves nothing. Yeah, Mater doesn't save a damn thing. He certainly doesn't save those movies. Um, but yeah, I think Larry the Cable Guy is kind of like the millennial version of Ernest. I think uh, we have a different thing with Ernest because really in the UK we only knew Ernest from the movies uh, mm. that we'd see on TV or whatever. But in America, Ernest, I think I think Ernest started, at if and I'm sure Adam Zatano will, will correct me, um, I'm sure he was like a character on, on adverts for something before he became... Like in, in films and stuff like that. So I think that's how it started off. Um, and I know was, some of the films were shot at MGM Studios in the early days. That would make sense. That would make mm. sense. Um, and I mean, one of them's called Ernest uh, Scared Stupid, if mm. I remember correctly, which was the Halloween one. I'm sure, I'm sure it was called Ernest, Ernest Scared Stupid, which I think is a great title. And if it's not, maybe they should go and change the title to that, but I'm sure, that, I'm, sure I'm right. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I just I, and I think the thing is is that you know Loda Cable Guy is obviously a very popular comedian in America, the blue collar, um, you know, type of comedy. I just don't think it translates well over here. And I think Mater was kind of a breakout star from the first Cars, and so Cars Two was let's make Mater the centre of everything, uh, which is rubbish. I think. Um, but yeah, I, I, I watched it back. I didn't like Cars 2, but Cars 3, I, I really enjoyed. 
Um, it felt more grown up. Um, it was a bit more serious than the other films. There were still lots of like little comedy moments in it and lots of little in jokes and stuff, but um, it just felt to me it felt like a better film. And nearly everyone I've spoken to that's seen it has, has said the same. Um, so it's probably not just me being a bit mad. And um, mm. yeah, so I, I I do recommend it. And also, I'd say what's well, there's two things. So firstly, I think Mace in this film is kind of the Iron Man um, that you've seen Spider-Man Homecoming. So Mace is there, but he's not in the film enough to distract you from it. If you know what I mean. So he plays a part and he has some funny bits, but he's used uh, sparringly, and I think that makes the character work a lot better. Um, I can't remember what my second point was. It doesn't matter. The fact is, it's good. And the short behind, uh, the short before it, it, I think, was really interesting. Um, it's one of the more unusual shorts, I'd say, um, of recent times, and it's got a very quirky story um, but that was quite interesting as well uh, so yeah I, I think if you get a chance to go and see it do so what was interesting though Cars 3 only came out in the UK last uh, not the weekend just gone the previous weekend so I think the 14th of July it came out um, Despicable Me 3 came out I think the 30th of June or thereabouts. It came out in June anyway. So it's been out by this point about three weeks. Coming up to almost four weeks. Uh, that'll be out. Cars yesterday, they only had two screenings on in the, like before uh, lunchtime. Despicable Me, they had six. What? Yeah. I, I didn't even know Cars 3 was out. Uh, maybe that's the problem. Maybe they're right there, that's the problem. I thought you'd been to the premiere or something. I, mean, I didn't, even, <laughs> didn't even know. I, I, I knew that it was out in America. It's been out in America for a while, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it came out in America in June. Yeah. Mm. They always wait. Like Disney tends to wait until the summer holidays to release the Pixar film. So we tend to get those about a month or so after America, whilst we get the Marvel films a bit early. Um, but yeah, may, maybe that's what the problem is, Chris. Despicable Me is before lunchtime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How many screens was that on? Well, at least six. That's ridiculous. <laughs> they won't be showing. They won't be showing it on the same screen twice. Not like right. I put the screen up. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. And I and I said to the woman in there because we um, we had to go into the box office to buy the tickets a few days before. And I said to the woman, um, "How comes there's like two screens of cars in the morning, but there's six of the speaker with me?" She went, "No, she's a bit more popular." I said, yeah, but it's been out for weeks. She's like, yeah, it just makes a load of money. And I was really, really surprised. Because you would have thought that a film that had been out that long, you know, if you're taking your kids to go and see Despicable Me 3, you're probably not going to go and take him again. You're probably going to go and take him to the next big animated film that comes out. Um, so I wonder if that's not the case. I wonder if people are going back to see Despicable Me 3. Um, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. But... I mean, I think those films are alright, but I wouldn't rush to go and see them. My daughter's asking me to go and take her, and I will go and take her during the holidays, but um, yeah, I I just, I don't know. 
And yet, if you go into shops, you know, they've all got lots of... I've seen more Cars merchandise than I have to speak with me. The only place that's different is McDonald's. Because they're doing the Happy Meal toys for the Spickle Me. Has Disney pulled away from McDonald's? But, uh, Disney pulled away from McDonald's in the early 2000s. Oh, right. Quite a long yeah. time ago. It was about the time... Because do, do you remember when you could get um, McDonald's fries in the Magic Kingdom? Yes. yes. So it was a... like it, the, I think the deal must have ended around that time. Um, because not long after they pulled out that deal, they then stopped selling McDonald's in the parks, and then they closed the McDonald's down in downtown as well, which yeah, became the, ch- the chicken shop for like a couple of years before that also closed that, down. That went, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, because I, th- I think what it was, I think at the time, I think it was probably around the time that Super Size Me had come out. Oh, okay. Do you know? Right. And I think there was a bit of yeah. negativity around it. Um, yeah. And so Disney don't. Now, what's interesting though is that you do see promotions in places like Subway. So I know at Christmas there was a Moana giveaway at Subway, and I think last summer there was a Finding Dory one as well. They don't tend to give away toys anymore. It seems to be like I'm, I think I think with Finding Dory it was something like really exciting for kids, like luggage tags. Because um, you know <laughs> what kid doesn't love a luggage tag? <laughs> but uh but no and i and i think maybe maybe it's time disney went back if i'm honest because the thing yeah. is like as yeah. you say you didn't know about cars um no. just and again this is because i've got kids right and i promise not because i have meals to get the toys for the kids um so i wouldn't do that but at the moment it's, it's been despicable me three the next toys that are coming out and that's because they advertise them on the size of a Happy Meal box is for the Emoji movie what? oh god now I'll tell you what's worrying about the Emoji movie my wife thinks the trailer looks quite funny I thought it was a joke when I heard that what you mean Patrick Stewart voicing the poo emoji how could that possibly be a joke oh and by the way that that's that's true that is what he's doing in that film. He's voicing the poo emoji. I wish so that was a joke. He said it was. He said it was beneath him to go back and be Captain Picard, but he'll voice a talking shit. I will be a shit. <laughs> Commander Wolf, get me my shit. Um, a Shakespearean shit. <laughs> gives a new meaning to Captain's log. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, that's a real thing, uh, and it's coming out very, very soon. And so the toys are coming to McDonald's very, very soon. And I just think maybe, um, maybe Disney should think about doing it again because surely that's more money that they will be able to, you know, have back. You know, if they sell the merchandise who writes to McDonald's, then that's money they're getting back for making films. Surely. So, so hang on a minute, kids are going to be going. Mummy, mummy, look, in my fillet of fish, I've got a plastic turd. <laughs> and when I pressed it, it sounds like Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> uh, I, I liked, I, what I would say to you there, Chris, is um, I don't think kids will recognise it's Captain Luke Picard. But no, they won't. <laughs> the parents might do, isn't it, Jean-Luc yeah. Picard? Um, it's the bloke from Fat, no, American, uh, American Dad. American Dad, that's right. Yeah. Um, which the kids probably would know, actually, because we live in terrible, terrible times. Terrible times. Um, um, but it, yes, yes um, um, I think it's time McDonald's did something because 
as I said, it's cross-promotion. I do know that for a few years there were some issues with toy lines anyway, because I think when they did... Um, certainly when they did Up, there were some issues around what they were going to do for toys at that time. And there's been a couple of other Pixar films where... I think Wally was another one. Where because of the subject matter, the companies were like, well, how am I supposed to market this to kids? Mm. So I don't know. You know, I, I always believed it was McDonald's, uh, Disney putting out of the agreement with McDonald's. Maybe it's the other way around. And I think as well, it was at a time when, before Disney and Pixar merged, and they were still kind of separate companies, when, you're, when you've got an agreement with McDonald's, you really have to deliver a film when you say you will. And I know for quite a few years, Disney had trouble doing that. Because if you look back at things like The Emperor's New Groove and Treasure Planet and stuff like that, there were so many issues with those films that you know their release dates got moved. Well, if you're a fast food company and you have got to get, you know, you you've given space, you know, to a Disney film coming out to do their toys for it, and the film doesn't come out, what are they going to do during that six week period when they're supposed to be giving away Disney toys? You either put out a different film, or you know McDonald's needs to try and get somebody to fill that space for them. So there was that kind of issue, but I think now they've got their head screwed on a bit, a bit better. So I don't think it's really necessary. But clearly, maybe that's what Disney needs to do. But that that happens with Halloween Horror Nights quite a bit. They'll build a house for a film that's coming out in October, get the house finished, and then the directors say, "Oh, we want to re-edit it." And then the film doesn't get released to the following March. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's so. why, isn't that why now most of the film, um, most of the IPs they have are existing? So things that have already come out? Well, yeah, most of them. Most yeah. of them. I know there's always, there's, there've been the odd ones, but I think generally that's that's the kind of rule of thumb now, isn't it? Um, anyway, we spent far too much time about talking about uh, Jean-Luc Picard's talking feces <laughs> toys from, from McDonald's coming soon to a local restaurant. Um, has there been, Mr D, much Disney news? You said that there'd been a, a couple of bits and pieces, but... Yeah, <clears throat> sorry, not a lot I'd picked up, but um, a little bit around the merchandise for Epcot 35. Don't know mm. if you saw any of that. Um, um, I, I some saw of that. Some of the pins of look quite good. I saw a couple of bits, but not not a whole a whole lot. Was there anything that stood out other than pins? No, no, it was really the pins for me. I quite liked the um, the pins of the past attractions, like um, you know Sea Base Alpha, mm-hmm. which was the the old Living Seas attraction. Yeah, thought that was quite a nice pin, but I don't think they made a massive deal of the twenty fifth anniversary. To be honest, I mean they didn't. You know, it was a kind of last minute, half hearted effort and. This seems like they're getting a little bit more ahead of it, but uh, yeah, not not a huge amount of stuff. Okay, um, I did see something quite interesting um, that um, there's there's they've announced some shops are closing down in Disney Springs. Hmm. Have they? Yeah, it was only uh, I think it was late last night or early this morning that I saw it. Um, yeah. But they're closing down um, Build a Build Workshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Ride Breakers? Yeah. With a Z Ride because Breakers. they're quirky. Um, <laughs> down with the kids. Down with the with kids a Z. with a Z. 
Um, and also a hat shop, which I can't remember the name of. Yeah, but it um, the sock shop. Yeah, Chappelle. Chappelle, Chappelle yeah. But this is in this is in Anaheim, though, isn't it? Oh, this is it is, Anaheim? Uh, yeah, it's Disneyland, oh, I think. Oh, yeah. okay. Yep. Oh. And they're building a, a Splitsville there, so they're doing... I haven't really been tracking the Disneyland stuff too much, but I know no. they're doing some modifications to downtown Disney or the equivalent of Disney Springs. Uh, I did read it early, so maybe I read it as, as downtown Disney. Just assumed it was, um, yeah, because I didn't I didn't realise they had ride because um, is Ride Maker still there at Disney Springs? Then was that gone? I don't I don't think I saw it there. I don't think it's still there. No, that was I think it's gone. Oh, well, hang on, wasn't wasn't that where Splitsville was? Yeah, yeah, I think it, it was. Yeah, was, on the corner opposite the EMC. Because so it, no. it was Virgin, wasn't it? it was part of what Virgin Megastores was. That's right, yeah. And then it opens yeah. that. Yeah, okay. Oh, that makes a bit more sense mm-hmm. then. Fair enough. Um, but still, it was interesting because what, what was funny about the statement is it said that it was closing for new dining experiences and also, I can't find the original story, um, but it was closing down for uh, some, some, some new restaurants or eating experiences. But also that the shops closing were not closing because they were making a loss. So it just seems Ooh. really odd that, the, you know, it sounds like they're turfing them out in that case. To be honest with you, it's not a very big bit of land, downtown Disney, at Disneyland. Right. So it might be the case that they keep putting the rents up and they want to attract, you know, the highest paying renters. Mm-hmm. And it might be they just squeezed them out for someone who wants to pay a, a lot more money to be there. Yeah, I just, I mean, I suppose it's different because, you know, like if you if you sign a lease here for a shop, you're normally tied into a contract of however many years. It's not normally like a rolling contract or something like that. So it's obviously what they're what they're doing. Um, yeah, just says the shops are proper not being closed down to, to poor performance issues. Um, there's no space to reallocate the shops, but if a situation arose showing where they could put it, it would be evaluated. So it's just it's just very weird. Mm, uh, it's a strange comment. Yeah, and yeah, you, um, you're right. The one in Disney Springs must have closed because it says the other two ride maker shops are in uh, Branson, Missouri, and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which sounds a bit odd. I never really understood that place, that ride makers. Um, and I thought I, you were going to say I don't really understand Myrtle Beach. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I don't get it. I've got to be honest. But then I've never been. Maybe that's why. I know. Lives in Myrtle Beach. Well, Myrtle Beach wasn't wasn't Myrtle Beach where they had the Hard Rock theme park. I have no idea. Oh, I didn't know there was a theme park. Oh wow! The the the, the Hard Rock um, the Hard Rock Hotel. Well, sorry, the Hard Rock theme park is one of my favourite theme park stories. It's it's quite an amazing tale. Um, it lasted a year. And then it wow. closed. And then it reopened as Freestyle Music Park. But they'd lost all the licences to everything. So then everything had to kind of be rebranded. And to give you an idea of the things we're talking about, um, they had a massive Led Zeppelin roller coaster. 
that was under license, and they also had a dark ride that was based around uh, Knights in White Satin. <laughs> that song, and apparently it was it got voted like the best dark ride that year out of all the theme parks. Um, but after the, the the park closed that year, they had to retheme it. So then they had to take the music out and they had to change what was some of the stuff that was in there. And the Led Zeppelin roller coaster had to get changed as well, so they lost the rights to the music and the, and the names and stuff. God. So um, and it lasted another year. Um, I think it was black, bad timing when it opened because I think it was 2008 or nine it opened. Yeah, I've just I've just, just brought it up. Yeah, it was during the economic uh, crash of 2008. Yeah, uh, and also it was kind of in the middle of nowhere as well like it wasn't near a, a major like an easy accessible destination but um it was fascinating because I, I remember following it when it first it when it first got announced and when it uh first opened and i thought wow this part's gonna be amazing and uh it just seemed to be one thing after another and and then it didn't and uh yeah now it's just a, an empty lot i think a lot wow. of the buildings are still there i think um yeah, so uh, there you go. There was there was a Hard Rock theme park, um, but ride makers. Certain. That's it. That would uh, that would sort of I don't know. That's sort of mellow you out, really, wouldn't it? That's if you like. There's some good. You can see on YouTube some videos of the ride. Yeah. And it was really. It did look pretty good, actually. It was very, as you said, very trippy. But um, yeah, it was it was quite an impressive ride, actually. Um, but going back to ride makers. Um, I remember when the Disney store first opened up um, in Oxford Street. You know, um, well, I don't know. Does anyone remember the old store they used to have in Oxford Street? No. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It was a, li- it was a little bit further up in Oxford Street, and then they they closed mm-hmm. that, and Bond Bond Street had a Disney store as well. And they closed both of those down, and then they made a, a slightly bigger store near Bond Street Station. Um, sorry, Regent Street. I mean. Um, and then they, they made this new one at Bond Street Station um, that was two floors. And when it first opened, there was a section devoted to ride makers. And it was the first ride makers location outside of the US. Um, and it wasn't, it just had like a section on the wall. It wasn't like a, an actual shop within the shop, but just somewhere you could do it and you could buy like your own cars themed ride makers. And it must have lasted about a year. Maybe six months. Yeah. I thought I got rid of the whole thing, but uh, yeah. yeah, I just don't understand those cars at all. But Build a Bear Workshop's a, a very big name, so that's that's, yeah. and they do quite a lot of Disney uh, times as well, don't they? Yeah, is that still so, is that still pretty popular then with the kids? Yeah, Build a well, I mean, I don't know in America as much, but in the UK, yeah, we've got one in our town, and it's always always pretty busy. Um, you know, they charge twenty quid for a cuddly toy, and that's before you buy their clothes. So I mean, uh, you know, it's a it's a good place to uh, to make some money. I mean, I think Amanda, am I right in thinking that you've actually bought outfits from Build a Bear Workshop before? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually, funny story, I do buy outfits from uh, from a Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me at all. Yeah, <laughs> it really doesn't. They, they have cute things in there. And I'm always like, you can never find like a, a cute outfit for your chihuahua. She's too sassy for regular dog clothes, so I get a builder bear clothes. No, Maddie, you're you're completely right. I often 
you know, sit awake at night thinking, I wish there was more sassy clothes for Chihuahuas, even though I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. um, never thought about Build a Bear. So. Have you ever been to that um, uh, dog accessory shop in? Um, uh, uh, yeah, that one. Somebody no. likes the sound of it. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, oh God, uh, celebration. No. Yes. So. It's, it's good. Spent all the money there. Mm. Yeah, we went there last when we we were just there in May. Well, we just passed by it and we went in and we ended up buying our dog a, a treat to take back. Just so. That was her present from the holiday, you know? What can I say? I bought mine a um, Batman costume. He hasn't taken it off since. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually tied it on. I need a cat. They, they do a actually cat sell get a Robin costume. Probably cat. <laughs> <laughs> if I try and put anything on my dog, he just looks at you with such disdain and so he shakes it off. Yeah. He, he really yeah, I mean, not, same. not happy with that at all. Uh, yeah. good, good tip for everyone as well, actually. Um, if you've got a Shake Shack near you, they do doggy treats. Ooh. So you can get yourself a, a nice uh, frozen concrete and something for your dog as well. Well, I learned, I learned yesterday that doggy ice cream is a thing. It, do you I know, know I was just about to say that. Yeah. Our local shop sells doggy ice cream. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pub near us. You can take your, pub to the, take your dog to the pub. And uh, you can have something to eat, and he can have a doggy ice cream. A couple of different flavours, apparently. Wow. There you go. There you go. Wait, can't you get, um, like, dogs puppuccinos? Probably. <laughs> you, um, I feel like you can from Puppuccinos. Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think I've seen something like before. And I think I've also seen it in a, this is in a pet shop, but I've seen doggy beer. Ah. I've seen doggy beer, which I can't get my head around that one but, you know if I'm sitting there eating my dinner my dog looks at me as if you know when am I going to get some of your food but if I'm sitting there drinking a beer he never gives me the same eyes no <laughs> do you know what I mean like there's never that eagerness for it it's that's an odd thing that's an odd thing to, to want to give your dog some doggy beer but uh, yeah, each to their own I suppose um Okay, was there um, was there any other news that had come out, Mister D, that uh, you wanted to discuss? Or no, nah, nothing significant, really. I mean, looking case... forward to hearing about. Um, I'd like to hear a trip report. Yeah, well, that was going to be my my suggestion. Segway. Um, I know he's, he's jumped on it. He's leant forward and he's going forward. And he's driven it's... over that cliff like the bloke that developed it. <laughs> I think that's how they work, isn't it? <laughs> Not you know, not always with a cliff there, but yes, that's how they work. Um, so yes, Mister Ripley, you've been away for a good few weeks. In fact, I've lost count how many weeks. It seems like uh, years, but it's not. Um, but if you could give us an up, uh, you know, a report on what you've been up to, that'd be great. Well, I, I needed a vacation after sorting the book out because it was um, your book. Yeah, my book available in all good stores. It was uh, driving me mad at the end of it, but uh, we managed to get it done. Um, and I've been very, very grateful to all the people that have bought copies and, and sent me photos of them reading it. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you all. Um, yeah, so I had a vacation, and it was a it was a part working holiday, and it was a part proper holiday. And we went to California, but that was just the boring sort of work side of it. And my partner, she'd been to Hawaii before, and I promised that we'd we'd go back there one day. And so we tagged that onto the work trip to California. So we went to Hawaii, and I'd never been before. Um, and 
I was most interested in two things. Uh, one was that we booked uh, a few nights at Aulani, which is how the Americans pronounce it. Oh. Uh, yeah, I know. Weird. I, it, nobody seemed to know how to pronounce it. The, a lot of the American cast members were saying Aulani, and then a lot of the actual Hawaiians were saying Ulani. So, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and the Australians were like, Aulani? Uh <laughs> Because there was quite a lot of most of the tourists out there were predominantly either Australians or Japanese. Well, I suppose so, that makes sense because of its location. Because it's it's not that far for them, is it? No, no. And you could tell actually that they do get a hell of a lot of Japanese um, visitors there because that um, uh, what's that bear called? That they like Duffy. Duffy. Duffy and his girlfriend were everywhere in that place. Wow. Um, so yeah anyway so we, we went out there and we we went to uh, Oahu which is one of like the main islands um, and we stayed there for like over a week and then we went to Maui and we stayed there for uh, a week and then we came back to Oahu for a few days and then we um, travelled home and hence the jet lag because it's on literally on the other side of the world to England <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah so Oahu which is where Honolulu is, and Waikiki Beach um, is also where Ulani is. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to see, and I don't know if you guys ever heard of this, and it's it's not so much Disney related, it's more Universal related, is the Kuala Ranch. I've probably pronounced that wrong, but it's a 4,000 acre uh, parkland that's privately owned. And every single year for the last, I think it's 60 years, they filmed a big Hollywood production in this valley. Wow. Um, So some of the ones that you're going to know is Jurassic World, um, Jurassic Park, 51st Dates, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, Journey 2, Mysterious Island, Godzilla, Skull Island, Wind Talkers. I'm just reading a list here. Uh, Lost. Ah, there's me thinking, like, you've done all this research. Well, I pulled the page up on IMDb. What more do you need? That's very good. Uh, <laughs> but but really, it, it, even better than that, I was just there at the very tail end of them finishing production or finishing the shooting of uh, Jurassic World uh, 2. Wow. Is that, is that Electric Boogaloo? That is the Electric Boogaloo yep. edition, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so that was really good to see and they've been there for absolutely months filming this Jurassic World 2 so they're obviously spending an absolute fortune on it um, and if spoiler alerts if you want to I did send these photos upload these photos on Facebook but there was loads of the original Jurassic uh, T-Rex Jeeps from the first Jurassic Park film you know the bigger Jeeps that are sort of predominantly green and yellow yes there was loads of them all sort of broken up and Mangled, and then there was loads of these prop dinosaurs all beaten up and half eaten by the looks of it. So, so, does do we think? Because I mean, they've obviously been a bit coy about what Jurassic World Two is about, but I think people were thinking because of who else is back in this film that this might be set on the original island. Is that... well, supposedly Jurassic World is the original island of Jurassic Park, isn't it? I, I thought it was a different island. I no, could I think be completely Jurassic wrong. Park 2 and 3, I think, are different islands. Yeah, I know they were. Okay. 
Because don't they go to the original visitor centre in Jurassic World? The two boys. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's right, that's isn't right. it? Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. Is the dream kicking <laughs> in or am I echoing? I'm hearing uh, a lot of echoing, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, okay. yeah I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe that's the case then. I, I just thought it was a new island. That's why there wasn't any of the stuff in the first Jurassic Park. But I think it's nice that they've, they've got stuff from that um, and kind of tying it all in. Well, the thing is, they're, they're telling the locals, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they're telling the locals that the storyline is based around the fact that they find out that Jurassic World has been quarantined, and then they find out that there's this volcano erupting, and they've got to go on onto the island and rescue all the dinosaurs. But that just sounds like such a crap storyline. Mm. I don't know if that's true. Fallen Kingdom, that's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah. So that kind of suggests that it is. Back, could, maybe back I, to the original island. Yeah, but I think, I no, think the right. last one, was, Jurassic World, that wasn't the original island, was it? it well, was I'm just the, reading it here, and it says Jurassic World takes place on the same fictional Central American island of Al Nubula, off the Pacific coast of the Pacific coast of Costa Rica. Right. So I think maybe it was the same island, but not because I mean Jurassic World was a much bigger park than Jurassic Park. Yeah. It? So maybe it was the same island, but just you know a different side of the island, for example. Yeah. Which yeah. is why there was some stuff you saw, but other stuff you didn't. So maybe mm. you've seen the rest of the island. But what's really fascinating about this this uh, parkland is it's so big that these films come every year. These productions. Oh, and Jumanji. That was the other one. They just finished filming there. Oh, that looks um, good. By the way, have you seen the trailer <laughs> for that? Yeah. Oh, all over. Um, but the, the good thing is, is all these films, is they leave all the sets behind. So, for example, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for example, in Jurassic World, you've got that um, Andominus Rex yeah. uh, monster dinosaur. That pa- that paddock that it's in is there. You can go and see it. Wow. That raptor enclosure, that's there. You can go and see it. Um, for example, Skull Island, they left all of the, like, uh, all the props from... The scene where they go through um, where the dinosaurs have been hunted, and there's all these dinosaur bones. Yeah. I think on the poster you got Tom Hiddleston. He's walking through a rib cage. Yep. That's all there. Wow. They've left all of that. I mean, Lost. They left uh, the golf course there, and a lot of their stuff to do with the um, like the army base thing that they discover. Is the smoke monster um, still there? Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> Um, even like Godzilla, they had to dig out these massive footprints to do Godzilla, and they left them there. <laughs> That's weird. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, it's, it costs say, money, but well, the thing is, is say like over here, and they went to one of our, uh, you know, out areas of outstanding natural beauty or one of our parks, and built something like this. The council would have them tear it down as soon as they're finished, wouldn't they? That's what I mean. But they just leave it. Either that, or you'd you'd want to monetize it, turn it into some kind of attraction. Well, I think this is what they're doing because obviously yeah. this isn't free; it's a private property, so they are charging you to, yeah, you know, to look at these things. So is, is it this... expensive to go and look at it, to look at all the things? Sorry, is it expensive to go and look at all the different things? Uh, there's two different tours. One's like a basic tour, and I think that was about forty dollars. 
and then there's a more uh, longer tour that goes right to the back of the park where there's other stuff and i think that's about 90 dollars mm. it's not it's not out of this world expensive no is it a little bit like um the universal tour in some ways like seeing the sets or it is yeah, yeah. but much more spread out yeah and no um, Jimmy I mean, Fallon no, no, well, no, Jimmy Fallon. I mean, the other thing they had there as well is they had, you know, the in the original Jurassic Park, the scene with the Gallimimuses where they're running and they hide under this log and all the dinosaurs jump over the log. Yeah, they have the log there in its original that, position. <laughs> that's crazy. I, like, I just don't know. I don't understand why they leave everything there because surely they're going to run out of space soon. Well, I don't know, four thousand acres, but. Um, but, like, do they have all that space? Are they able to film things on all of that space? I think so. I think so. I mean, I'm sure that some of this may be a bit Hollywoodized, where they've sort of moved it around to make it more of a tour, as they do in these places. But um, I don't know. Do you answer your question? I don't well, know. I suppose the other thing as well is that maybe they, um, maybe they sometimes reuse the sets, just like Universal would do. So, you know, is that, what's to say that, you know, some of the stuff that's there for uh, Skull Island isn't going to be used for Godzilla King of the Monsters or Godzilla vs. Kong? Not saying it which are, will be, but, you know. Which those films you're on about have all paid the fee to film there. They're all booked in. Right. So it could be that, you know, they, they might reuse some of that stuff. Because the thing is... You know, if you've got the props there, if you move, if you, if you you know put them in a slightly different place or do other stuff around it, you won't even necessarily notice that, or mm. most people won't notice it's the exact same stuff. Yeah. So, which also after we we went there and saw this, I actually watched Skull Island. It's actually I, I thought it was a really good film. I love Skull Island. Uh, mm. I only saw it once, but funny enough, it just came out um, to buy today, and um, I didn't buy it because they. They only had it in a steel book, and I wanted to charge like an extra fiver for it. I was like, I like it, but I don't want to pay five quid for a steel book. I'm going to put it in the loft, so I'll I'll get it at home at some point. But yeah, I, I mean, I I love King Kong anyway, but I mm. really thought it was it was entertaining. In fact, the only weak things I think were the two leads. I didn't think Tom Hiddleston or uh, Brie Larson did very much. I thought that was such a audition for James Bond for him. Don't you think? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that, and I think that my disappointment with Brie Larson is that I'd seen Room a few weeks before, and so I know how good an owl <laughs> she can be. She can be. Um, is she uh, the one that's going to be Captain Marvel? Yes, right. yes, she is. Um, so yeah, I felt I just thought she was a little bit underwritten. It wasn't her fault; just it was what it was. But uh, I thought John Goodman and John C. Riley was amazing. Oh yeah, he's very I, good. I think he just completely stole it, but um, I didn't even really notice actually. And I should have done that. Kong was so much bigger than he's been before. Oh right, they made him. I'm sure he was something like four times the size that Kong is historically. And mm. they've done that because otherwise he wouldn't be the same size as Godzilla. The the tour guy told me afterwards that. Every single cast member in that Skull Island film were absolutely brilliant people to hang around with. They would meet people that were there, tourists and things. They would sign autographs. Nothing was ever too much trouble. 
He said oh, sometimes you get films there and they're all like quite arsy and they just sit in there, you know, Winnebago's or whatever. Yeah. And he said the other one that was really good was Chris Pratt because the last time he'd been to Hawaii, he was homeless and lived on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw I saw him being interviewed a few years ago now. I think it might be when the first Guardians come out, and he was talking about um, he used to just be a bit of a stoner and a bit of a bum and just used to you know mess around you know wanting to do something with his life and not really knowing what to do and he actually memorized because he listened to it all the time uh the chronic 2001 and he then they said oh okay well if you you know if you know it so well why don't you sing and he did forget about dre and he did it no prompting just started ratting out the words it was it was quite incredible. <laughs> wow! But he's he's a funny bugger. But I think he's someone who, um, I've always got the impression that he kind of appreciates what he's got. Oh yeah, definitely. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, he's kind of been thrusted into like this Hollywood leading man now. And I mean, I, I used to watch him parts and reckon never thought that would happen. But he seems very humbled by the whole thing. Doesn't yeah. seem to take it for granted. And I think that's a, a really endearing. Uh, quality so i mean those celebs i think that have literally had nothing mm. you know like andy williams eating dog food to survive or um uh what's the guy from uh modern family you know he lived in his Ty car Burrell? for a year Ty Burrell. he lived in his car for a year mm. you know yeah and, and like yeah well you've met him and I, I've, I have that's yeah. the only reason i know yeah <laughs> He tells everyone when he first he first met him. It, it, that's how he introduced himself. I lived in a car for a year. Did you know that? Chris Ripley also. I lived in a car for a year. Oh, I, I did a Monty Python on him. I lived in Land Rover in the middle of a street for five years. That's luxury. I lived in <laughs> yeah. Turkish slipper. Um, <laughs> Your woman sketch. Check it out. Um, did you, while you was there, and I, I asked this because um, my friend and his wife um, went to Hawaii as part of their honeymoon this year, um, mm-hmm. and he was a massive Jurassic Park fan. He did the uh, the helicopter tour. I did not know. Uh, there did, are uh, areas that you can only see by helicopter. Yes, so he would be right to do that. Yeah, he got he got right to where the uh, the waterfall was. They land there, and you like you you got to stand by the waterfall, and you you cannot there. get there by foot. No. Oh no! So that's was, the only way to get there. He um he because sh- they did like a video as well you could buy, and mm. we sort of I, I think I can't remember if he bought the video or he filmed it himself. But either way, we saw the video of the the journey and it was incredible because like you know you're kind of just going all this over all this rainforest and then all of a sudden it's there. But as yeah. you say, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere, so you can't get there any other way. And there's a few companies that do it, but um. Yeah, I mean, for him, it was it was amazing. He, you know, Jurassic Park was his favourite film when he was a kid. So, uh, you know, to to go and and see that was it would like me going and stepping foot on the Millennium Falcon or something. And I mean, the real oh, one, not the one at Hollywood Studios they're building, but the actual one. To be honest yeah. with you, I've got more affinity probably with the Jurassic Park movies than Star Wars, mm. and, and I felt like that seeing these sets. Yeah, um, particularly Jurassic Park because that really because you and I were both the same age. That really came out when you and I were at that perfect age, wasn't it? Oh, for that movie. I would my my the reason that I was gutted about that 
uh, when Jurassic Park came out is I was deemed a little bit too old for the toys. Uh-huh. And those toys were so good. They were they were the best. Dino damage. They had like <laughs> little lumps of flesh that pulled off the dinosaurs. This stuff wouldn't fly now. I'm pretty sure the Jurassic World toys did not have dinosaurs that had flesh you could rip off. Oh no. In fact, do you remember talking about flesh being ripped off? Do you remember the Terminator set they did? Yes, vaguely, yeah. And uh, Amanda, you you definitely won't remember this, so I'll explain it. They had this playset you could have where you could make little replicas of Arnold Schwarzenegger's T-800. And what you did is you put a endoskeleton into this chamber, filled it with this kind of gloop, and it would form (laughs) into a rubberized Arnold Schwarzenegger... What? And the idea then is that you could like pull pull the the flesh off, and you'd see like the Terminator underneath, and that that's was a such toy a, for kids. Yeah, any other toy. Yeah, yeah. And that's really in depth. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see them doing anything like that now. No. And also, as well, I mean, like and I think we talked about this on a pop after that before. That when we were kids, Chris, like we had mm. Jurassic Park, which made sense. That was you know kind of a family film as a PG. Mm-hmm. And we also had toy lines for stuff like Aliens and Predator. We did, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, none yeah. of those films, none of those films were we, like a fifteen. We, we shouldn't be watching them. No, <laughs> right. it's a completely different time. Completely different time. Oh, it was good to see that it hasn't negatively influenced you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh wait a minute, <laughs> and that's why we podcast. Uh, and that's why other people write books about horror stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, there could be a connection there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I never thought of it like that. Maybe you're right. Um, so, um, just a bit more about the, the result, because I don't think I've actually spoke spoken to anyone that's actually been down there. So, so what, back to Olani, Alani? Yeah. Um, if you were going to Hawaii... There are definitely better hotels out there than this Disney hotel. Mm. And to be honest with you, it was very disappointing. Ah, really? Yeah. It, do you know what? Every I was thinking about this. Every single person I know that's been there has always said how great it is. But then I thought to myself, most of the people that have been there are podcasts. And most of those podcasts are sponsored by travel agents. <laughs> so yeah. I thought to myself, maybe they may have a, you know may have a reason why they're saying it's so good. And I bet you, because it was such a flop, I bet you Disney incentivizes the travel agents to book that hotel. Has it really been a flop? It it says massive flop. The people that actually proposed the idea of the thing in the first place were all sacked. Wow. Ah. It was a huge, huge flop financially for the company. They don't talk about it, and there's not a lot online. You have to really dig to find the information. But basically... The people that proposed the whole thing, the whole business case for it, didn't factor in the cost of what it was going to be to build it, the cost of what it was going to be long term, and then the real, you know, negative sales that they had. Well, because I've never, I've never really understood it in that it's kind of a Disney resort, but mm. like there's nothing there. It, it, it I, and this, you've been there, so you can correct me. But from what I've always understood about it. It's basically just a standard hotel. It's basically like a poor man's Animal Kingdom Lodge. Ah. That's quite tall 
And then inside that U-shape, rather than having loads of safari animals walking around, you've got a very, very crap storm-along bay plumped in the middle. Oh, no. And then at the bottom of that, you've got a beach. Now, this is the thing, right? Hawaii is filled with beautiful, beautiful natural beaches mm. that are absolutely pristine and take no maintenance at all. They're just natural and they're lovely. Disney built their own beach and made it horrible. Oh, no. I mean, but the, the, the other reason why I think they built the beach, and this goes to the main point of why this resort is so terrible, is it's in the middle of nowhere. And it's not even in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of nowhere, but it's surrounded by a housing estate. What, like council so, estate? Well, I wouldn't say. It's <laughs> estate, but but, but it, 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 most of these hotels that you go to in Hawaii, you, 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 the main draw is the beach. Most of the time, the beaches are natural. And they'll often have swimming pools and lovely restaurants and things. But the other thing is is that you can walk to another hotel or a shopping centre or a shopping district. And a lot of the shopping places out there are very, very similar to sort of like the Disney Springs that we have now. Mm. So it's sort of that sort of nice sort of stone and, and uh, they have these lovely shops. And, you know, they don't seem to have walls in Hawaii. Everything's open. You know what I mean? Yes. Um so you have you have like down at uh, like Waikiki Beach, for example, which is like the main tourist hotspot. You've got all these lovely shops and restaurants and bars, and they all face out onto the sea, and they're they're gorgeous. But with for Disney, you've got a Four Seasons hotel next door that's got nothing, and you've got a Marriott the other side that's got nothing, and that's it. There's nothing wow. you can walk to. There's nothing you can see, and you are trapped in this very small Disney hotel. Do they have and, meet and greets or? They do. The only difference is, is they they have they don't have as many meet and greets as you'd think. But their reason is that the characters are not working here; they're on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just a bit sick everywhere. <laughs> not because of the gin. Yeah. So I saw Jeez. Mickey and I saw Chip, but no Dale. <laughs> Why? No, yeah. well, I don't know if you know Amanda, but um, famously they don't actually get on. Um, basically, in public, they have to pretend to like each other because of contractual reasons. But like Chris said, they're on holiday, so you <laughs> fuck Dale off. But the thing is, wouldn't Dale be there? Because he's the one that wears the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. if, you, if you had to wear a Hawaiian shirt the whole year, yeah. when you go when you go skiing on your holiday, you wouldn't go to bloody Hawaii, would you? Well, there you go. There you go. You know, you're like, right, I'm getting that freaking Hawaiian shirt off. Where's my polar neck? Quick. <laughs> Who was it that Kate that's uh, alerting me to the fact that Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers was Magnum PI and Indiana Jones? Yeah, that's on Twitter quite a bit. That one. Oh, is it? Someone alerted me to that, and I was like, "Of course it is." Why didn't I realise that when I was six? Oh, yes, because I was six. <laughs> but that's a very good point. I never, I never put two and two together. Um, but just listening to what you're saying there, Chris. So yeah. So Disney put a hotel in the middle of nowhere on an island that's in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. And the guys who came up with that got sacked, which, which <laughs> is fine. But surely but, the guys who approved that plan should get sacked as well. But, yeah, well, exactly. But the thing is, if you're not DVC, you couldn't afford it. Hmm. Those rooms, I'm not kidding you, some of those rooms are $800, and the room inside is like a moderate Wow. Uh, you're paying 
more money than what you'd pay to go to the Grand Floridian. You've got nowhere to go. There's no theme park that you can go to. Mm. There's nothing you can walk to. You have to get a car and drive somewhere. But then when you're paying so much money, you think to yourself, do I want to leave this resort? Shouldn't I be getting the most out of it? But then after a few days, you've done everything. And do they have things like luau's there? And They do. Okay. Uh, the luau is extra. Yeah, standard. Um, and it was okay. I mean, it wasn't... Oh. You know what I mean? It wasn't spectacular. <laughs> you know what? I've never really looked that much into... Is it Olani? Yeah. Ula, whatever. We know, um, no one knows. Yeah, no. <laughs> I've never really looked too much into it, but whenever I've heard people talk about it, I imagined it to be like um, that Atlantis Hotel. Yeah. Ah. Now, funny you should say that. They're really panicking right now because the Hawaiian government has just given them planning permission to build a Hawaii Atlantis next door. Uh, yes, they are panicking big time. Sounds like that might actually be good for Hawaii then if they build it next door. At least there'll be something next door. Exa- do you know what, Paul? That's exactly what I said. At least you've got something you could go and do. Yeah, yeah. You know. Oh, you, mm-hmm. you, know, what's, you know what's interesting right. is that, you know, Moana, and I think we talked about this recently, about how big Moana's kind of been and its legacy um you know still seems to be there similar to frozen and like you know it's still remaining very popular and in the zeitgeist um you know months after the film's come out that film is set in polynesia you would have mm. thought that there was two things that disney should have done with the marketing of that film after it being such a success and that's in every DVD and Blu-ray that they sold, there was a leaflet that said, come and stay at the Polynesian or come and stay at Al- 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 whatever it's called. Whatever it's called. Alani. Yeah. Um, let's just call it that. Um, but do you know what I mean? Like, advertise the fact that, you know, if you liked Moana, why don't you stay where, you know, it's based? But there's nothing in that hotel theme to that film oh no i know but you don't but the thing is whilst there should be what i mean is is that uh, no i get I, I agree with what you're saying you know that's where it's it's kind of based on so therefore why don't you come and see the sandy beaches and the sea and all that um mm. and yet as you say they don't seem to, you never seem to see anything talking about it there seems to be all this hype when it first opened up but afterwards nothing no that's right um, there are some good points, but there aren't enough good points to make you want to leave, say, Disneyland and go there, in my opinion. I mean, there's mm. the restaurants are very good. They're quite reasonable, actually, in price. They're not too bad. Um, there's, a, there's a great lazy river there. That's, it's not huge, but it's pretty good for a hotel. Um, and the spa, which is for adults only, that's really good. That's probably one of the best spas that I've ever been to. But... There's not enough good goodness there to see, and there are so many hotels in Hawaii that do such a better job at such a cheaper price that are in better locations mm. that you, there's mm. no reason why, unless you were a, a real diehard Disney fan. Even then, I think it's quite a hard one to call because you've got to be a DVCer because you're not going to want to pay eight hundred dollars for a moderate room in a hotel that's in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do. Well, if it's $800 a night, I mean, what would people normally stay there for? Five days, maybe? Yeah, I'd say average people would do in long weekends there. Yeah, so you're looking at, like, 
you know, three and a half thousand dollars to stay there for that amount of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one's going to do that. And what's the what's the flight time, Chris, from the West Coast? So to... it was it's between ten and nine hours to LA, and then from LA, uh, it was about five or six hours. Okay, so it's still a fair old flight now. No, no. I mean, it's much easier, in my opinion, than say like Australia. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, but interestingly, though, is um, you talk about the Polynesian Resort in Florida. The that hotel, I'm not kidding you. I know it's old now; it's built in the '60s. But Walt, because I assume he probably had a hand in designing it, because it was one of his ones, wasn't it? Mm. He got that absolutely spot on with Hawaii. Because when we landed in Honolulu, which is like the main airport there, I thought I'd land in the Polynesia. <laughs> wow. Honestly, the floor tiles, you know that, that brown shaded glass that they have? Uh, the, 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 that sort of mock timber cladding that they have everywhere? Mm-hmm. The straw sort of roofs? That, ho- that airport, which was built exactly the same time, is exactly like the Polynesian <laughs> resort. <laughs> Probably what it's based on. It could be. On. I mean, that ho- that airport would have been there probably when Walt was around. So he must have flown in and out of that airport a few times. Well, it closed. I mean, Disney World opened in seventy one, didn't it? And Walt yeah. was, you know, involved in Disney World before he died, and that was about sixty seven, I think he died, or sixty eight, mm. something like that. So um, yeah, it, it probably would have been somewhere. I mean, whether he went to it or not, you know, whenever they plan these things they send people out to these locations don't they to take photos and to get notes on the type of materials used so he he was a regular uh, there's like a little history center at Waikiki but he was a regular visitor to Waikiki Beach with his wife Um, because at that that time in the 50s and 60s you had like Trader Vic's and all these other things coming around and Hawaiian culture as you know was like really really popular wasn't it well Hawaii Five O, the first time around yeah, all those all those Elvis films, all yeah. those Elvis films, some of which girls, were filmed girls, in that girls. valley again. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, so, in terms of the Polynesian, if you think about a really authentic Hawaiian experience, actually, that hotel does a really phenomenal job of actually giving you an experience of what Hawaii is actually like. So you don't need to really, if you're a Disney fan and you're thinking about Hawaii, you could just go to the Polynesian in Florida and save yourself a load of money. <laughs> well, not that much. I mean, the Polynesian is still quite expensive. No, probably it? not but, actually. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it, at least you're somewhere where there's stuff to do. Yeah. Because it does exactly. sound like there's, there's very little to do there. So but any Disney hotel, they're great, but you don't spend all day in them for a week, do you? This is this is my argument with a lot of things, and I, you know, I just um, no secret. I'm trying to write a book at the moment, and I've just I'm halfway through a chapter at the moment about hotels. I started off talking about the on-property hotels at Disneyland Paris, and I'm now talking about the ones off-site. Um, and what I, I talked about with them as well is the fact that you know, whilst there are reasons why you might want to stay at like the Disneyland hotel or the Hotel New York, which are you know more, some of the more expensive ones. At the same time, you're, unless you're planning to spend a lot of time in those rooms, which most people will not be, mm. does it you know does it really matter that much? Yeah, you know, right. against the cost of of staying at these places. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Um, 
you know, to me, if it if it was the difference between me being able to go to Disney World and having to stay at an art of animation, or you know, not being able to go, but if I saved up for another ten years, I could go to the Polynesian for a couple of weeks. Well, I'd probably go to the you know, the All Star Resort and have a nice time at Disney World, than to not be able to go at all. So yeah, but it's their own, I suppose. I mean, like for me, it's convenience. I mean, I love the food festival at Epcot, so I will book a couple of nights and say the boardwalk or the beach club, yeah. just so I can get absolutely pissed and walk home. <laughs> um, but that's just me. <laughs> but it's a good reason to do. Oh, but, God. You, but you're not in that room all day long, are you? Like you say. Could you imagine uh, once this gondola system opens up, doing that, going for a night on a piss in Disney World and then having to get oh, gondola God. home, all that <laughs> rocking? Oh my way! <laughs> Watch her below. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Thunder from down under. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about your your trip, Chris? The only other thing I had, and it was nothing to do with Disney, was we stayed at a hotel on Maui, uh, which is like the more rural island. Although it has lots of nice sort of hotels and things to see and do. We just went out uh, kayaking uh, one day, and then we did some snorkeling off the kayak because um, the in Hawaii the the ocean's pretty shallow all the way around. Mm-hmm. And we, we went off in, at this spot that we were told about, and there was all these turtles there just swimming around and just wow. breathing and eating and just living their life. And they were just so, I mean, completely wild. And we were just swimming along with them, and it was just like being with, like, Crush from... They got that character so spot on in that film, uh, Finding Nemo, you know. And these big you know, hundreds of year old reptiles or whatever they are, just swimming along, slowly paddling. They didn't give a toss that we were there next to them, you know. <laughs> and it was it was just a really nice experience um, that really intrigued. You could probably only ever do probably in Hawaii. Yeah. But if you do go, you have to go and do that. Find out where the turtles are. Oh, that's awesome. Did you, did you do that? Um, you didn't make the same mistake that I did when I first went snorkeling and actually stuck your head completely under including the snorkel <laughs> I didn't though <laughs> no no only only this idiot has, has done that that's uh, that's reassuring uh, yeah I wonder why I had such a bad experience snorkeling uh, and that's why <laughs> you, it's a lesson you learn very very quickly to be uh, yeah. to be fair but uh, your lungs fill with seawater yeah. you realize you're doing I, it wrong hang on, hang on one second I'm going to be very quiet for a second as I have to let my dog into the garden rather than bark. Hang on. We need some hold music. We need some lift music, yeah. yeah. I don't know the rest of the words. He's back. <laughs> was, you, was you singing a song for Moana then? No, we did like a, an elevator hold music. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm quite familiar with the sound. It's a Moana now because it's my daughter's favourite film at the moment. She loves... It's quite funny because um, we always thought Frozen would be the film for her because it was the film that came out just after she was born. And it was the first one that she watched. And she's always loved Frozen, you know, growing up and everything like that. But when Moana came out, she got obsessed with it almost straight away and uh, I actually think it helped with her speech actually I think um, singing along to the songs um, helps with her with her speech development so there's always positives with these things 
but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm very familiar now. And thankfully, the songs in that are pretty good. So um, yeah. it's not got annoying just yet, but I've still not seen the whole film, which also might be a reason. I liked that. I thought it was good. Yeah. Did anyone else see Moana? Yes. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's, it's definitely worth a watch, Amanda. It's got, I mean, it's got a rock in it for a start. You know yeah. what? I've listened to the soundtrack so many times in the car, but I just haven't gotten around to watch the film. Yeah. I know they chose Tron over Moana, but I do think that long term, if they was to build an e-ticket based on that film in Adventureland, I think that would be a good move. Well, let's let's be honest. I don't, I, I don't. Did they choose Tron over that? Or well, is it, is... some say they had the choice of one or the other. Well... I, I think Moana's got a longer term future unless unless Disney pull their finger out and do something else to Tron I, th- um, I think it was Jim Hill said that because Tron was already tried and tested they've already got the design, they already know it's popular and they've got the space I think that's why they went with Tron they could literally build it quite quickly but Moana's yeah. such a popular film yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong like, I, I'm, I'm, I love the fact they're building a Tron coaster but at the same time my my feelings are unless Disney want to actually do something with Tron it's a bit pointless it was like what I was saying about Zootopia the other week or Zootropolis and the fact that they're looking to you know potentially build some stuff in Animal Kingdom unless they're going to do something else with like with that franchise by the time they do anything with it will anyone still care mm. it's you know I don't think it's going to have the legs you know we've just got this this week in, in the UK we've just got the the Tangled movie um, no America, not not Tangled. We did get that similar to when you did, but the animated series they've just released the first uh, the pilot episode of that, which is like a TV movie of this Tangled series. Now, if they wanted to now do something with Tangled, that would kind of make sense because they're trying to make it appeal to a new generation of kids and kids that have grown up watching the film. Do you but, mean a restroom is not enough? It's a very good start. I, look, to be honest, if they said they were going to just build a Tron restroom, I'd have been happy. I'm glad they're building the coaster there. But Do you know, uh, my partner, she loves Tangled. She was so excited when she saw Rapunzel's tower when we was in the Magic Kingdom. Oh. And then I had to break it to her that it was just a toilet. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. That is, that is very sad. Bless her. Um, if, that's, if that's all anyone wanted to talk about, I've been avoiding talking about something uh, and I'm. I feel now's a better, a gooder time as any to talk about it. So um, before anyone gets excited, um, I'm not quitting the show. Um, I know, I know some people that probably would make them excited, but it's not. Um, so uh, a few, a few months ago, maybe a bit longer than that, um, we knew there was something that wasn't quite right with my son and he seems to be he like when you're a parent uh, and Paul you'll obviously notice a bit better than Amanda and Chris but um, when you have kids there's milestones that they hit um, so like first words first steps all this kind of stuff and my son had missed a few of those he started walking fairly young just after he was one but other things like speech and everything like that were definitely uh, lacking and we noticed like a lack of focus and 
we just felt something wasn't quite right and because of his age there wasn't really much that people would kind of tell us but we kind of pursued and pushed and everything like that um and what we have now been told is kind of what we expected so it's 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 good and bad but um he's autistic and he's actually in terms of spectrum he's very high on the on the spectrum of being autistic and it's it's obviously sad as a parent because you know you don't want your kids to have anything wrong with them you want them to be healthy and well and everything like that but at the same time i'm saying this and i don't want i'm not asking for sympathy i'm not expecting anyone to say or do anything but you know there's kids that have got much much worse things wrong with them then that is a disability so by all means i know that we are lucky in that there could be a lot of things wrong with our child that it isn't so you know i i look at that as as um, as a positive but it's it's probably very likely that if he does learn to speak it will be when he's a fair bit older uh he's two and a half now and that's another thing why it was quite surprising because they don't normally diagnose it that young um but because they felt it was that bad that's why they they were able to diagnose it early um and he'll he will miss out on a lot of those milestones and he will have a lot of issues and i've had my own issues in terms of we've not been able to bond he uh he bonds with his mum and his grandmother really well and i had issues bonding with my firstborn so i I almost went over the top when i had my second child because i knew that i'd messed up as a dad the first time around and um it was heartbreaking because i really tried hard to um to be as as good a dad as i could be for him and he wouldn't he wouldn't acknowledge me he wouldn't look at me he wouldn't interact with me and um i just didn't know what i was doing wrong and i mean the good thing is that now we know why and so it's not that i was doing anything wrong it's just that the condition that he's got means that it's hard for him to do it and um yeah it's just it's just a a funny situation um and i think i've been really i've been really trying to be positive about it with my wife because she found it very hard to deal with that there might be something wrong and obviously as mums do they blame themselves they think it's something they've done and really it's not anything that either of us have done it's just something that's that he's got and it's something that we have to deal with and the, the positive thing is that knowing knowing what it is and having an actual diagnosis means that we can try and help with it and autism is such a broad spectrum that there's not really any answer as to what to do and how to do things but you just have to try and learn to adapt to the things that he might like to do and um and just recently he started to um we've been able to interact a bit and it's been really nice i mean i'm still at least the third favorite in the family in terms of who he wants to see and, and spend time with but i can take that because i know that i'm doing the best that i can for him and the fact that i'm now able to do things the way he can respond to um 
means that we're you know we're, we're doing things right um but as i said you know we now know what it is and that's that's a good first step and we're now speaking to people that can help and that's also good um so as i said i don't want i'm not asking for sympathy i'm not expecting anything but um i think it's just one of those weird conditions where people may be a bit ashamed sometimes or 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 don't like to talk about it and you know if you if you've been in that situation or if you're in that situation um i'd love to hear from you because one thing that i'm really benefiting i think from the moment is knowing that you're not alone um in doing this and actually you know you speak to people and um you know lots of people are, are on the spectrum uh in fact I think all of us are probably on that spectrum to some point, but it's because it's such a, a wide spectrum, but it's just how much it is. But um yeah, if you if you are, if you if you've got if you've been in that situation or you want to talk about it, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm no expert, but sometimes it's nice to just know that there's someone else out there um that can do it. And um Yeah. Who's the um the lady that's on Malaby's show? Tracy, his wife. No, no. <laughs> no, it's, uh, There's a lady. The does, she does yeah, a lot of segments. She does a lot of blogging and stuff about it. Yeah. It? Oh, well, I'm yeah. sure. I, well, I'm gonna. I, I mean, obviously, we're gonna record a podcast. Um, me and me and Craig have got our new podcast uh, recording with Lee on Friday, so I'll have a word with him then. And I'll, he, he normally listens to this show, so he might get in touch beforehand. But um, yeah, no, it's a good point actually. Thank you. I I, I hadn't really thought about that because to be honest, um, you know, until until you know that it's something um you you don't really want to start asking people questions or start talking about it because what's the point of talking about something that it may or may not be um you just kind of get something in your head um but the reason why i wanted to talk about it is because one thing i think that is really good about this podcast what i think it is and, and people might disagree but it's the fact that I, I think that people listen to this show because of us. I like to think that's the reason why. Because there's so many podcasts out there that talk about the same stuff that we do. And we talk about things, I think, a bit differently. And I think our relationship is all a bit different. Um, and so I think I kind of take it all a bit personally sometimes um, in, in why people listen to this show and I appreciate and I think we all do anyone that spends time downloading the show buying one of Chris's books um, watching Amanda's videos um, because this is just a hobby for us I suppose this isn't a way of us really making money um, other than trying to keep it going <laughs> but for that reason I wanted to kind of be clear with people because sometimes I um sometimes I don't always come across in the right way and sometimes I can say stuff out of turn and sometimes I can be a bit miserable and that you know there was a reason why there's a reason why I can be like that sometimes and I just wanted to be honest and open about it um but also in a way that hopefully if other people are in that situation that they feel that they can also reach out as well and as I said I'm not an expert but if you feel that talking to someone that might be going through something similar might help you then please do um yeah that was it and i'm really proud because i've not actually cried 
I've got choked up, but I haven't actually cried. I went and watched War of the Planet of the Apes and sobbed like a bloody child, and yet when something <laughs> in real life is happening, I keep it together, for good sake. I'm proud. <laughs> but thank you. And that's it. I said, I didn't, want it. I didn't want to do it for anything else. I didn't want to do it, you know, for any sympathy, but just because I wanted to be honest and open, and that was the situation. So thank you uh, for letting me talk for the last 15 minutes or whatever. Um, yeah, and just listen to what I had to say. Yeah. You're a good man, Nick, and I can't wait to read this book you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's not about that, although that might that might become a future volume. Um, <laughs> and as you see, go take the positives. You know, the fact that you know what the oh, situation is now. I've Lindsay's got um, Lindsay had two cousins who had children that had different types of cancer, and one survived. And one died at the age of seven. Oh. And when that happened, you know, like when when you're faced with something like that, you count your blessings that that's all it is. This is something that will affect him for the rest of his life. And if it's as bad as they say it is, he will need a lot of additional help. We've, he's going to play group next year, um, and we've already gone to the play group and spoken to somebody there, and they're getting extra support and all this kind of stuff. But this is something that he'll always have and he'll always face and it will always be an obstacle for him but at least it's not going to hinder his life expectancy do you know what I mean mm-hmm. when something like that can so that's why I know I'm lucky in a lot of ways that it's not something more serious but um, it's still something and if anybody right now can say something to any podcast on a bloody positive because this podcast was fun until I started talking <laughs> so if anyone wants to bring up the mood before we leave, please do. What? <laughs> no least me ripping the arse out of Ulani as well. <laughs> but it was funny. It was funny. Uh, but uh, no. Well, all right. Well, if that's if that's it, if that we can't talk no more, or can't think of anything witty to say, we'll leave it there. But thank you, uh, thank you for downloading it. Thank you, Mister Ripley, for coming back. That's it's... all right. I did have one last thing. Go. Supposedly, while I was gone, there was this thing called D23. Yeah. Never heard of it. No, I, I don't know. Well, so, man, I, I think know. you heard about half of, of, of D23. <laughs> In one of the world's longest podcasts that had you split into two. I was just looking at the uh, the call time, and it was two hours and 42 minutes. Last week, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, yeah. It was a long one. No wonder Amanda finished. It was a marathon. Yeah, um, I left halfway through. Sorry. I did not. I flew back from Hawaii when you started it and got home by the time you finished it. <laughs> so, um, obviously, now, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to ask if you listened to our last episode because you're a busy man, but um, was there anything that you took out of D23? Uh, I'm very interested about this Star Wars hotel mm. because mm. that that plot of land and that idea has been around a very long time and originally it was going to be fe- themed to the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror Aww. Yeah, it, and that idea had been kicking around for God knows how long on that exact same plot of land and it's only recently that they've decided to now tweak it and put Star Wars in there so hang on then, so where is this because I, I, I assumed this was going to be near a, a Star Wars land. So where's this hotel then? Well, the plot of land that... Well, the plot of land yeah. that originally, where they've always talked about, is if you look... If you were standing on their main street and you look behind the shops on the right-hand side, so it'd be between the shops and Fantasmic. 
Uh-huh. Well, that's not near Star Wars Land, is it? Because Star no, Wars Land is the other end of the park. It's not, but that's that's the plot that I believe they're talking about because that was the one that they've always discussed about building a, a hotel inside the theme park that looked out onto the uh, area where you could see the nighttime show and the parade um, and that would have its own separate entrance. And yeah, I mean, that would be the opposite of what they want to do this hotel because the idea is that, well, I think one of the ideas that looks like it's coming about is the fact that it will almost be a window of no, uh, a hotel with no windows. Certainly mm. no windows into the park. It will be, you know, virtual windows or whatever. I mean, how do you sell this as well? I mean, I, don't, I know we've been on quite a bit now. I don't want to go on too long. But how do you sell this? Because a lot of people will see the price point and go, well, oh, God, that's quite expensive. But then also you'll get the, the other side of the coin, people that will go, well, actually, that, does that mean I'm going to miss out on a day at Epcot or a day at the studios because I'm spending the whole day in the hotel? Well, this is what this is what I said last week. I, I, I don't think I was alone in, in in having that kind of viewpoint. But if you're going out to Florida, yeah. You know, so from the UK, um, we generally would go to Florida for two or three weeks, unless you're Craig and you'll go for a weekend like a lunatic. But most people go for an extended <laughs> period of time. I knew we'd make this podcast funny again, um, and. If I was going out for two weeks, like you say, you're losing potentially a day, maybe two days of your vacay. Mm. And that's, you know, and bearing in mind as well, if you're going out for 14 days, the day you arrive, you're probably only going to be getting a half day Mm. at at best, because, you know, you might be too knackered when you get to the hotel. And on the day you leave, you might only be getting half a day. So you're already losing a whole day of your 14 days before you've even considered doing that as well now at the same time you, you mentioned the price point and there's two schools of thought the first one is it's going to be a massive success because the Star Wars fan base is so vast that there will be plenty of people that be willing to spend that amount of dollar to have this immersive experience on the flip side and we talked about this if it didn't work as an experiment would they then just have it as a almost standard but themed hotel without all this interactivity but this is the problem disney's gonna have to educate people and that's really difficult because most of the general public out there and i'm talking general public probably think universal and disney are the same thing yeah they probably think harry potter has got its own theme park yeah they don't know all these things so to, to, to someone that's like a Star Wars fan, oh, well, that's expensive. I'll just book that for the weekend. We'll go down, you know, we'll go down to Florida and stay in the Star Wars hotel. You get there, realize that it's this experience. You're like, well, I come down for the weekend to go to the food festival. I come down to go and see Avatar, but I can't leave the hotel because that's what I'm paying for. So I don't know. They're going to have to really educate people on what this is because what they're kind of doing is something completely new. I think what they're going to have to be done, Paul. It's okay, Good. No, no. I was just going to say I, the only way I can see them, the education. I think you're, you're right, and I think the only way they can do that is by not having it as a hotel. And like, so if you go on, you know, DisneyWorld.com to book a holiday, for example, and you like click through hotels and all that kind of stuff, they need to have this as like a completely separate experience. Yeah. And almost not call it a hotel, but yeah, call agreed. it an experience. That's probably the only way you can get around it. Go on, Paul. Yeah, I was just going to say. I think 
Yeah, I think it is an experience, and it depends how far they take it. Because you're right, you could, at one end of the spectrum, it could just be a Star Wars themed hotel, or it could be at the other end of the spectrum, it's a complete experience, or there's something in the middle, which is a Star Wars themed hotel, but there are elements that you can maybe pay for as options, which are more the experience, or it might be, you know, Jedi training with characters and you know see, whatever it is you know see that what you're on about there that middle road they mm. kind of do that now i think or at least mm. they were testing something like that where yeah. you could stay in say the grand Floridian and pay for an experience where uh-huh. you characters would interact with you and send you on missions and thing i'm sure they tested yeah. that. but you could but you, but because they've now well because they will now have a star wars land you know there could be actually elements in the land where it is, you know, the stuff in the hotel and the stuff actually in the park. So it, it would be a much deeper experience if that's how they want to go. And it's really funny that you mentioned um, Harry Potter because if I was Universal, I'd seriously be thinking about that. I'd be watching what Disney are doing. Do you know, this is absolutely true. I've been posting about that on Twitter since this news mm-hmm. came out. Universal yeah. needs to build a Harry Potter hotel. Well, yeah, and then other imagine. people... Well, other people have been tweeting about it as well. I know Lynn Tester has yeah. been tweeting it as well. But then it comes to light that Universal right now are doing a survey about a Harry Potter thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw that. I saw yeah. that. I mean, I, yeah. I think my problem, and Mr. D, as, a, as another Star Wars fan, this would be interesting your take on it. Would you want to do a whole interactive experience? And by that, I mean everyone, like, all this interaction they're talking about. It depends what it is, isn't it? I mean, I also think that that probably we are not the target market. I think you know the target market. I think is domestic. I think it's it's U.S. Canadians who come to Disney World for like three, four days. You know, for us to come for two weeks, we aren't going to stay in a Star Wars hotel for two weeks. Now you could stay in the All Star for, you know. 12 days and two nights in the Star Wars hotel as a, as a special treat but uh, then you've got to move and it's a hassle and so I don't think we're the target audience here and I think yeah. there's plenty of US people who will go to Disney World and they'll they'll blow big bucks on the Grand Floridian or the Deluxe Dining Plan because you know they're only there for four or five nights you know uh, whereas us is- coming from the UK we don't we don't do it that way no. The thing is, the the thing they tested was an add-on. So you would book a room at a regular hotel, and then you mm. would pay extra for an experience. This mm. thing, if if it the price point really is a thousand dollars a night per person, and then you got to pay extra for the experience. Yeah, I mean, this is talking bungalow level stupid pricing, isn't it? Or you could be talking thousand thousand dollars a night for the total package, and and if it's kind of room only, you know, Star Wars light. Um, could be five hundred dollars a night. You know? Yeah, see, that's that's a better option. See, I'd yeah. be much more interested in staying in a Star Wars hotel than staying for a Star Wars experience, and that's mm. just me. The other thing as well, and that, I'm, I mentioned this because of where you said the hotel is, you know, the land for the hotel is and where it is. Mm. Disney's always been, or, or Walt Disney himself, his big thing was theming, wasn't it? And the yeah. fact that you know the reason why they built um, the underground city. Is so you didn't get somebody from Adventureland walking through Fantasyland, for example. 
Now, yeah. if you're yeah. talking... Now, let's just say it's $1,000 a night. That includes all the interactive stuff. And it also gives you priority entrance to Star Wars Land. So you get to spend two hours in the morning in Star Wars Land before it opens to the general public. Let's just say for argument's sake. If you were doing that and you wanted to be immersed in the whole experience, you'd probably want to be dressed up a bit as well. And how would you go... How would you get from the hotel to the Star Wars land? Because surely that would all be part of the same experience. And if I'm right in what you're thinking, if the hotel's where it's going to be built, then you have to walk through Hollywood Studios. Unless mm. they built like this... this uh, oh, sorry, Craig, I'm going to say it. Back passage. <laughs> so or or, or Utilidors. Or Utilidors to get there. That's the only. That's the only thing. And I mean, maybe I'm thinking far too much because maybe you wouldn't be allowed to dress up in this immersive experience. But I would think it'd be odd for you to be doing this immersive experience, speaking to like these J- Jedi's and aliens, for example, dressed in jeans and t-shirt. You'd have thought that it might, they might try and encourage people to kind of get involved. I'm yeah. thinking, like, if you think about Do- what Secret Cinema did with Star Wars, that mm. kind of thing. Yeah, it's just the the new Star Wars land obviously is is on the edge of the park, isn't it? So, mm. do we know? I haven't seen anybody say exactly where the hotel is going to be, but I'm, I mean, I'm only saying based on the original idea, that's uh-huh. exactly where they designed it. I mean, they could yeah. say they've cleared loads of land because of the back lot. They're going to throw it at the back of the park. I mean, they might, yeah. they may do. You know. Yeah. Mm. Have you seen have you seen a video that's going around of these new battery operated light speeders for kids? Land speeders for kids. No. So you know when you go into Toys R Us or other big brand toy shops are available, and you go into like the middle of Toys R Us, and they've got that section where they've got all of these like battery operated cars for kids. So if you're really posh, you can buy your kid like an Audi TT battery-operated car for about 500 quid. They've now built a land speeder, officially licensed land speeder that um, will sit two children. So maybe um, they could do a slightly bigger one for adults, and they could, you know, you could get in that to get to Star Wars Land. Yeah, you can have that one for free, Disney. Uh, and if you are thinking about buying one of those battery operated land speeders for your kids they are coming out at least in Toys R Us uh, at the end of the summer for at a price of 500 English pounds what? yeah pretty good for an anti-gravity vehicle Uh, if only it was Paul it's got wheels and uh, what? what? I love I love my kids but I don't love them that much to pay that for a land speeder that's not that doesn't even float. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm with you. For five hundred quid, I expect it to actually be hovering. Yeah, to be honest. But I could leave you with this one final thought: Would you pay a thousand dollars a night for a Star Wars experience where your main experience is you have to hang around all day with Jar Jar Binks? Well, I think... Killed it. Killed it. I think dead now. No, no. I think that's exactly. Uh, a question we should fire out to the listeners. So, uh, please get in touch you... on our Facebook page or Twitter and let us know. Uh, so sorry, are, you just... allowed to, are you allowed to take a real lightsaber to Because <laughs> I might. For a thousand, yeah. So, so sorry, Chris. So, it's a thousand dollars. Yeah. But you have to spend your time with Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. 
Yeah, all day long. Can anyone do the voice? Nah, Misa, not sure. Misa. Misa, <laughs> annoying prick. <laughs> I think Misa, Misa should never have been in the movies. Misa, racist character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Georgie clown. And, and somehow he got promoted. He got he got sidelined on the second film, but but promoted. I think my favourite thing about the whole Jar Jar Binks uh, character is that for someone that talked so much in the first film, I don't think he uttered another phrase in those last two Star Wars films. Yeah. I mean, he may have like, had yeah. one line or something, but it, that was about it. It, it, it is, it is um, what do they call it? Fiction mirroring real life. Because mm. he basically screwed up so badly in the first film that he actually got promoted out of the way in the second film. Can I just say, I would pay $1,000 if they did a, you know, like the donkey at the Shrek thing in Universal that like, rips on everybody. If yeah. they had a K2SO meet and greet where he just rips on everybody. Oh, my so long, God. I would pay $1,000 for that. Oh, this is why I need to know more of that experience. And I want to see what they're doing this interactive lightsaber technology they're talking about. That's the other thing. Is that going to be in Star Wars land or is that going to be part of this hotel only? That'll be mm. something. I'll tell you, you've heard about, you must have heard about it, Chris. It's essentially the interactive ones at Harry Potter, but lightsabers. Oh, yeah. that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you all for, uh, for joining me tonight. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this episode. Um, get in touch with us on Facebook, on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Jar Jar Binks. I, uh, for some reason, married to someone that thinks Jar Jar Binks wasn't a bad character. So they, oh, God. they, they exist out there. Um, and Divorce we... Even I know that's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's so wrong. It's so, so wrong. There's so many things to like about her, but there is also things like that, you know? Um, and Misa we... gonna cause a divorce! <laughs> <laughs> We will see you in uh, probably uh, a week's time. But there will be a Universal After Dark this week. Yes. And there will also be a Pop After Dark. Or, as I think it's going to be known going forward due to votes, uh, the Ego Podcast. Uh, Everybody's got one. So me, Craig and Lee, we're getting on together later this week to talk about San Diego Comic Con. So... uh, yeah, you can you can hit that on the pop after dark feed as well. So, uh, yeah, the after dark network is buzzing this week. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. See you. Bye. See ya. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Music, music, going now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this show. If you would like to support us and the other After Dark Podcast Network shows, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash disafterdark. That's P-A-T-R-E-R-N dot com slash disafterdark. As well as supporting the show, there are other goodies available, including badges and soon t-shirts available as a thank you for your support.
This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast. Network.